edition of the Global Revolution. We are back after a couple of weeks off for the holidays. We're here to bring to you all the wrestling, which may be falling under your radar. Today, we have a bit of a shorter episode, just one show to cover, but it's a good one. It is WXW 18th anniversary show, finishing up uh, probably the last thing we're going to watch from 2018. Uh, jumping back to that before we move on to some uh, end-of-year awards and uh, probably Wrestle Kingdom uh, coming soon. But on this episode, we are indeed talking about WXW, one of our favorite places to cover, indeed, uh, just discover, uh, just covering their 18th anniversary show. We're going to bring it all to you, and it's going to be great. And I do, of course, say we, because I could not, would not, should not do this by myself. I'm drawn by a lovely, wonderful man. He is my friend, and he should be yours. He's called Jeff. Jeff, say hello. Hello, everybody out there in podcast and internet land. Jeff here, Miss Fan there. As you heard the man say, we are back. Took a few weeks off for uh, some christmas and winter vacation as it were hopefully everybody had a good winter season a good new year everybody got all the presents they asked for got to see uh friends and family whatever you do for the holidays hopefully you managed to do it but uh as Ms. Finn said we are back and the last show of 2018 as mentioned the uh wxw 18th anniversary show and i gotta say kind of a late contender for uh maybe potential show of the year just a whole bunch of really fun stuff on this uh, WXW event, uh, main evented by uh, British Strong Style versus Ringkopf, including the returning to WXW, Axel Dieter Jr. There's a lot on this show, Miss Fan. Let's begin this uh, last event of 2018 episode of the Global Revolution. All right, let's jump right into it. Yeah, we got this uh, 18th anniversary show. I think this may be, uh, aside from the 16 carat shows, the first like full top to bottom. WXW show that we will cover, and I think uh, that's definitely going to become more the norm moving into 2019. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, we're, we're going to cover the whole thing. So before we get any matches, uh, we have a little opening video, which I thought was very uh, charming and fun. They have the uh, the interviewer, and do you know his name? Because I can't recall. No, it's Tommy. Tommy. I don't remember what his Tommy last name something. is, but it's yes. Tommy. <laughs> that is right. Uh, he's quite delightful. He's a little bit Okerlund-esque. Uh, rest in peace to that great man. By the way, one of the best ever in that role and a uh, key figure more than people I think uh, sometimes realize in um, the, the success and the growth of the WWF in the 80s. Gene Okerlund, great guy. I want to shout him out here. Uh, they do a fun little Christmas video, though, with Tommy here. Um, and, uh, he kind of runs down the show and he complains about having to wear Christmas, uh, get-ups and, uh, jokes about how he doesn't know if, uh, they have a unified champion or an interim champion or what the heck's going on. Uh, so just some fun stuff here. I, I, I like this. I like the flavor that WXW gives their shows a lot. Mm-hmm. This was just a very, very cute little opening segment here, you know, kind of brought some, uh, uh, not the WXW. WXW lacks in, you know, life and personality, but this just brought a light, nice little fun atmosphere to the whole thing. You know, this wasn't just a straightforward, here we go, we've got a show and you're going to watch it. This was just a nice little Christmassy thing to uh, lift the spirits, as it were, lift the holiday spirits up a bit. So I enjoyed this. This was fun. Tommy's a... I enjoy his announcing, you know, when you see him every so often backstage vignettes. I know he, like... Um, he interviews a couple of guys. I've you know seen him do stuff with uh, Ilya Dragunov that he plays off really well. He's a lot of fun. So this was this was a nice little opening uh, video here, basically explaining all that was going to go down on 18th anniversary. 
Uh, indeed, absolutely so. Um, and I want to say this guy's name is Thomas Geisen. I'm looking up and I'm thinking that's the name, but it can be hard to tell because there's a lot of German. I don't speak any German, so my bad on that. Um, I'll work on it. Um, but yeah, jumping into the show, we start off with a gauntlet match with the WXW Tag Team Championships on the line. We have JFK, one of my personal favorite teams, champions, coming in. Also in the mix, we have uh, both iterations of Rise, both the good one and the evil one. Uh, we have the crown, and we have what I assume was meant to be Monster Consulting, but uh, I'm not sure if Julian Nero was injured or unavailable or what, but it was uh, actually yes, uh, and Emil Satoshi. Yes, uh, Julian Nero suffered some sort of injury a few uh, uh, weeks, months back, um, and part of the storyline has been... Uh, that Monster Consulting was essentially looking for a new partner for Avalanche while Julian Nero sits on the sideline and recuperates. Mm. Uh, I don't remember if he tried out – I think he tried out like one or two people very short-term before uh, settling in with Emil Satoshi as his new short-term partner in Monster Consulting did Avalanche. So, uh, yeah. It is interesting. I definitely want to know more about that story because I know Satoshi was also teaming with Dirty Dragon recently as part of um, kind of a deal with the Crown, I believe. But um, some uh, a lot of injuries actually piling up on this show. Before we get into the match, I should mention, yeah, as you said, uh, Julian Nero suffering an injury being out of this match. Uh, I believe originally the uh, the card featured Absolute Andy versus David Starr for the WXW Championship and Lucky Kid versus Marius Alani for the Shotgun Championship. Both David Starr and Marius Alani uh, suffering injuries that stopped them from competing, which stinks to high heaven because both of those guys are awesome. But uh, basically the uh, solution is take the two people who didn't have matches and put them together. And now we got absolute kid versus lucky Andy or uh, lucky. <laughs> wow. Wow. Absolute wow. Okay. Kid yeah, that's, lucky my, Andy. Um, <laughs> that's my reading disorder acting up or something. No, absolute oh, Andy see. versus lucky kid uh, for the WXW championship, which is very exciting for lucky kid and very exciting for us. Cause we're big fans of both guys. Mm-hmm. But that is we'll later talk in the about card. That when we get there, absolutely, ooh, there's a lot to speak on on that one. Mm-hmm. Yep, just since the injuries came up, but yeah, let's yes. talk about this gauntlet match. Uh, I thought this was a lot of fun. Some people don't love gauntlet matches, and I get it. You know, sometimes the segments can be a little shorter. Sometimes guys get pinned where they might have kicked out if it were just a uh, regular match. But you know, I generally I like gauntlets. I think there's a lot you can do with them, and in typical WXW fashion, I think they did do a lot with this match. I quite enjoyed it. What did you think, my friend? Yes, I had a fun time with this uh, gauntlet match. We start off with the Crown versus Monster Consulting, which I thought was, I think, probably, I think it was the lengthiest uh, portion of this match, or at least one of them. Probably. Which I thought was a lot of fun. Emil Satoshi and Avalanche looked great as a tag team. We're doing really good work together. Yaron Simmons is just a treat to watch every time we get to see him. He's mm-hmm. got a whole bunch of just, he's a great wrestler. He's got huge charisma. I just love the guy. Alexander James is doing pretty, I think Alexander James is, um, at least in his role as a tag team partner to, uh, Yaron Simmons is doing a really good job. You know, he's, mm-hmm. he's never going to be, you know, I like him. I don't love him. I know you're not the biggest fan <laughs> of Alexander James, but, um, you at least it. here, when he's being, uh, if you want to say, carried by Yern Simmons, I think he does a pretty good job of being kind of the, uh, if uh, Yern Simmons is a broadsword, Alexander James is a dagger. And I thought he did a really solid job in that role here. 
Um, if I remember correctly, the crown actually ends up picking up the victory with a with a cool like assisted curb stomp style move, just like destroying Emil Satoshi to allow the crown to pick up the first fall in this match. Indeed, um, yeah, the uh, the pro- that, that double team curb stomp is uh, definitely I think the best thing about the crown um, as far as their work together goes. Uh, it's really quite good. Uh, one guy kind of holds the guy. Well, with both arms, like you might do for a single curb stop, but then it's the other guy who, like, jumps in, and because he's not awkwardly holding anyone's arms, it actually works a lot better. So, uh, credit to that. As you said, I'm not an Alexander James guy. He's certainly inoffensive, uh, at worst, in a tag team situation like this. I do feel like maybe this is not the best way to capitalize on Yearn Simmons, who looked amazing, I thought, coming out of uh, the David Starr feud. Uh, even though he did lose his hair, but that's neither here nor there. Um, this is very fun, this first part. It's quite good. Um, it was amazing to me, and I kind of just learned this as I was watching this match, because I was curious, and I looked it up. I had no idea Emil Satoshi was only 33 years old, because he's been wrestling so long, I would have put money if he was like 40 at least, you know? So, not that he looks bad in the ring, he looks very good, actually, but I was just surprised, so that's that's something that I learned. Yes, I, I feel like Emil Satoshi's been wrestling for literally forever, it seems like. like it's a name <laughs> a I've heard probably since I'm 17-year veteran, wrestling since 16 years old or so. Dang. You but yeah, Emil Satoshi, really good, really fun, really athletic, really just, just I've come to enjoy Emil Satoshi. He's just, he's a really solid worker, really just fun to watch, and yeah, you can definitely see that, you know, he has that experience in the ring because he's just really picture perfect at a lot of things. So really dig Emil Satoshi, unfortunately, takes the follow on this beginning segment here for uh, the uh, new put together monster consulting. And that leads right into uh, the good rise team, Ivan Kiev and Pete Bouncer coming out to deal with the crown and deal with the crown. They do. They actually pick up the, uh, the victory over them to advance. Um I don't quite remember how that happened. I just know that um, I like Pete Bouncer. Pete Bouncer's all right. Mm-hmm. He's, he's cool. He's got a lot of charisma, but I don't know, man. I remember when I first saw Ivan Kiev, and I was like, man, this guy's beating Walter. I can't stand this. this <laughs> like, he's all right, but he, he's not Walter. Now I really, I really enjoy Ivan Kiev. He's lanky. He's got a little bit of a kind of a weirdness about him, but mm-hmm. he's just I think he's just really good. He's really fun. He's got a whole bunch of like the, the roundhouse kick into the Pele kick thing that he does, the diving leg lariat, just his general demeanor and wrestling is just he's a lot of fun. I've I've come to really like grow into a uh, Ivan Kiev fandom of sorts. Really love that guy. Really enjoy him. Yeah, I think uh, he's definitely established himself in the ring. Uh, I remember you weren't high on him initially, but I think in the ring, yeah, he's shown that he can do a lot. I think we'll only see more. Pete Bouncer, I think maybe not quite at that level in the ring, but as far as, like, the look and the charisma go, I think he's got a lot to offer. So if he keeps coming along, I don't know. He's been very good, especially, I think, in kind of the character-driven stuff with Rise, because remember, he was the one who kind of, like, rebelled against John Klinger when that was all going on. He was the one right. who uh, was, like, kind of really the most involved in the Tarkanaz on Lucky Kid thing. So, yeah, I don't know. He's got a lot, I think, to offer there. Um, mm-hmm. uh, he's a really good-looking guy, you know, I'll just say it. I think uh, he's, he's a good uh, actor. He gets stuff across very well, and I think that'll mm-hmm. serve him very well. 
Yes, and that means I, I personally think that's you know really good balancing act for the two <laughs> members of Rise as a tag team. You got the one who you know can get emotions across, can get you know feelings and reactions across, and is you know pretty solid in the ring himself. And then you've got uh, Ivan Kiev as sort of the workhorse of the duo, the guy who can get in there, get in the ring, uh, do some really fun, exciting stuff. So they work off each other really well, and that working off each other really well got them the victory over the Crown here, um, <laughs> which leads into the showdown between Rise and JFK, the tag team champions. And this is where things start to get interesting. I thought they were having a pretty a pretty solid, fun little uh, bout between the two teams here when out comes the supposedly injured um, Marius Alani, who runs into the ring. He's got a pair of brass knuckles. He goes to knock out, I think, Pete Bouncer. Mm-hmm. You know, Rise ducks and gets out of the way. Marius Alani stands up. He's like, oh, man, that didn't work. The referee turns around and he looks at him. He's like, all right. And then clocks Jay Skillet right in the head with the uh, brass knuckles, getting Rise disqualified and thus losing their fall. Um, this allows JFK to stay in the match in advance and puts out uh, Ivan Kiev and Pete Bouncer, who are just you know yelling angrily about this. This shouldn't have happened. He's not with us. Can't believe this happened. Uh, fans are booing. Nobody is happy at all with this decision, but the decision stands. Um, out goes uh, Rise number one, and in comes the final team, Rise number two, Tarkan Aslan and Damak, uh, showing up in this match and having, I thought, a really fun segment here with a JFK, sort of the closing stretch here. The Mac, um, or Damak, I should say, I don't know. Something about him feels a lot different. Like, I wasn't hugely into the Mac beforehand. I liked him, but I didn't quite love him. Um, we did see that uh, that six uh, that three-way match that he had with uh, Yern Simmons and Bobby Guns, which I thought he looked really good in. But here's a tag team member to Tarkin Aslan. I don't know. It just it really worked for me. So that was a fun uh, chance to see him in the ring. Tarkin Aslan's really good as well. JFK is just they, they deserve the world, I think, those two. Um, yes. <laughs> they're just so much fun to watch. Jay Skillet and Francis Caspin work so well with one another. Um, I think both guys, especially Caspin, have yeah. huge star potential just written all over them. And it sort of showed, you know, obviously in a lot of their other matches as well. But really, I thought, you know, it worked super well here. And unfortunately for JFK, um, especially for poor Jay Skillet, who gets hit not once, but twice in the face with brass knuckles and ends up losing the match here, being pinned by Tarkan Aslan, or maybe it was pinned by Damak. I just remember um, brass knuckles and then I think an unprettier, just absolutely mm-hmm. devastated poor Jay Skillet. And JFK loses the titles to the new WXW Tag Team Champions, Damak and Tarkan Aslan Rise. So a, a really fun, you know, with a little bit of hecticness that, you know, gala matches, tag team matches, and, you know, rivalries and, you know, storylines to you know, all throw in together into the mix. Um, that made for a really just a fun opening, you know, segment here for this show. Really enjoyed this gauntlet match. A lot of fun. And we've got new tag team champions coming out of it into Mac and Tarkin Aslan. So, you know, a lot's going to be going on with them. I thought this was all really, really good stuff. Yeah, no, absolutely so. Um, want to especially emphasize your comments about JFK. I am in love with these guys, especially Francis Kassman. Um, I think they're just wonderful. They're definitely uh, in the top five tag teams that I feel like I've watched this year. Um, they are just 
spectacular, and uh, I was very sad for them to lose the title here. I don't know if the idea is to turn them uh, face again or what. I kind of hope not, but uh, maybe ride some sort of tweener role because uh, there's definitely levels of the heel character, and JFK are, like, obnoxious, but Evil Rise is, like, evil, so it's, like, much worse exactly. than JFK, so uh, I would be okay seeing something between them, especially since there's already been some weirdness between them. We saw a little promo uh, on a previous show, so on this one, like, the first thing that happened after Marius Alani, like, punched out um, Jay Skillet with the brass knuckles in the first place, Target Aslan came down and, like, tried to shake... Francis Caspin's hand, and Caspin is like, what are you, what are you people doing? You're, like, screwing with us, but you're trying to be friendly, like, it's really unsettling to JFK, I think, and, uh, there's, mm-hmm. there's a lot going on there, so, um, very cool stuff, yeah, I am down, we're talking Aslan and Demac, uh, getting that victory, I think, uh, Evil Rise is actually turning out to be a great stable, um, because I don't, there's just something aesthetically about them that works. Like, uh, they all are very, very distinctive, and uh, they can really work together well. So, I'm all about it. I think it's good stuff, and uh, and I'm impressed with the tag team division of WXW. As always, they've got, like, a deep reservoir, I think, of strong teams to pull on, and that's, uh, that's very cool. So, yeah, I was quite down with this. I thought it was done very well. Um, after the match, uh, Rise and Evil Rise... Um, fight a little, fight for a little bit. Um, Demac and Target Aslan bail, but Ivan Kiev is still holding one of the tag belts, so uh, they probably will still be in the conversation along with JFK to uh, to challenge the Evil Rise uh, as soon as possible. So uh, I don't know. We'll see. I don't know if it's been announced for Back to the Roots already, which is the next big WXW show. Oh yeah, I will have uh... to it. There is something going on at Back to the Roots. We'll talk about it after the absolute Andy uh, Lucky Kid match when we get there. But I will say, I don't know if you, uh, uh, I don't know, you're probably not super fluent in German. Neither am I. I but, super um, am not. <laughs> if you listen to at least a little bit of uh, Pete Bouncer's uh, promo, you might have actually heard him say the phrase, you know, as he's yelling at the other ride, you might hear him say the phrase, Kageschlaft. Okay, uh, alright. Famous cage match of WXW that typically happens at Back to the Roots. We'll we'll talk about that a little bit more um, when we get there, but there's definitely uh, an announcement to be made that I am really looking forward to uh, getting into a little bit, but that, that that's for the future. Oh, I do believe sure, you did have sure. a... Uh, and I know what you're talking about, yeah. There's definitely, um, I believe, a one-on-one. Um, Kaveshlag, however you said, I just probably butchered that. Yeah, cage match coming up back to the roots, because there always is. But yeah, they also usually do um, a war game style cage match. So, I don't know, you have JFK, you have uh, both versions of Rise, and all of their connected people all floating around. I don't know uh, if it'll be some 4-on-4, four 5-on-5. Four, five five. I don't know. There's a lot of combinations you can make, and that's really the main thing I ask for in a wrestling company. Give me stories that branch out, that have, like, connected tendrils to, like, half the roster. Give me these complex storylines, and I will eat it up with a spoon. I love it. It's my favorite thing. So, good, good stuff. Um, we move on to the match, which, quite honestly... I was probably excited about more than any other match uh, on this card. Um, And uh, that proved to be both justified and not in the execution. The match itself is really, in my opinion, an all-star independent female wrestling showcase of alpha female, you, 
YUU, who we talked about uh, in a Tokyo Joshi Pro set earlier this year, mm-hmm. and Killer Kelly going uh, in a three-way dance here. And I gotta say, all three of these women looked absolutely awesome. This match ruled, and yet for the fact that it was probably only about five minutes long, and I'm like, I'm crying here, because this match... I think could have easily stolen the whole show, even with just just ha- double the time, even at just ten minutes, to say nothing of something uh, feature length. And uh, you know, I they WXW does a good job typically of booking uh, a lot of interesting and very talented female wrestlers, which is great. But I've noticed this more than once now. They don't always really give them time to do their thing. So that's if there's one thing I want to ask from w- WXW. Keep booking all these great women wrestlers, but let them show how, just how great they are. Just give them that chance. But still, mm-hmm. all like as good a five-minute match as you were probably likely to see. So much good stuff in here. Just wish it had more time. Mm-hmm. You got you know the, the power from Alpha Female, the uh, ingenuity and you know gutsiness from Killer Kelly, and a good combination of both from you mm-hmm. in this match. You know, there's just, just just really fun stuff, but uh, as Ms. Fan said, it felt kind of lacking, especially in the time department by the end of everything. And it, it, it I remember it ended seemingly very quickly, not just mm-hmm. in you know terms of the match length, but the actual finish. I think is you um, doing something to Alpha Female and pinning her seemingly out of the blue, and I was very uh, taken aback by this. Both yeah, a little bit yeah, of making her like, tap hey. out, in fact, yeah, tapping out. Oh, that's what it was. Yes, alpha yes. female. Um, after applying, the oh, that's right, because it was, uh, it was seconds, uh... um, which is ludicrous, especially if you compare and contrast to the main event, which is uh, one quibble I had with that match, but we'll talk about that later. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember, yeah, it was a rear naked choke on Alpha Female mm-hmm. and made her tap out, which. A should be a really big deal, I think. You know, you comes over from Japan. You know, is taken on to uh, at this point almost two icons of WXW and Alpha Female, one of the you know greatest female talents probably that has ever come out of the uh, you know European scene ever. Killer Kelly, who's just growing into a phenomenal worker, phenomenal talent. You know, she makes Alpha Female tap out. That should be a really big deal, but it almost didn't quite feel like it was given as much pop and circumstance as it should have been because of the match length and everything, but good match. Really enjoy it. Really enjoy all three ladies. Um, thought they did a really, uh, for, you know, the match length that they got, I thought they did a really good job. Definitely looking forward to see, uh, whether it's another, uh, triple threat between these three, you know, more singles matches between them, just something, um, uh, especially when, uh, a bit more time devoted to it. Cause mm. It could go from something being, you know, simply good to really just really spectacular. Looking forward right. to seeing uh, more of that if it happens. And I think it would be one thing if the idea was just to put over you as, like, this uh, incredible talent that is going to steamroll the division and go on and, like, smash through Tony Storm uh, to to win that WXW Women's Championship. That would be great. Um, you know, I could at least get behind that story. Like, I'm not a huge fan still of people like Alpha Female and Killer Kelly kind of being, like, rolled over. But, you know, if that's a story you want to tell, I can get behind that because you is an exceptional talent. And this is her first appearance at WXW. Maybe you just want to get her over. That's not really how it came off. It was more like, here are women competing very hard, but it only lasted five minutes because, I don't know, we needed more time for something else, you know. So, 
So yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm not even against you having a dominant win, but I would just like maybe some more intentionality in the presentation if that is your idea. So I was about to say I wouldn't mind you having a dominant win if it felt like it was actually dominant. Right, this was a right. very evenly worked match. Everybody had a good chance to shine, um, and then you just kind of won out of nowhere, which isn't the worst way to book a finish. But I think in this match it just didn't. Uh, help it as much as it could have, you know, had the match been longer, had there been slightly different uh, booking on who gets to show off more or not. But um, either way, this was overall still a very fun experience and love all three women in this match. Absolutely. Yeah. Three three of the top female talents in the world, in my opinion, honestly. So great stuff here. Um, Doug Williams goes into the WXW hall of fame. They have a little presentation for that. Uh, I admit not to having a tremendous amount of uh, direct experience watching Doug Williams, but I think everyone knows that uh, he was uh, quite an important figure in European wrestling, particularly in the day, the, the years where it was really struggling. And he's one of the people who kind of uh, kept it uh, afloat, um, kept it relevant. Uh, of course, everyone also knows he came over to the States a lot. He was significant at times in Ring of Honor, in TNA, in PWG. Really uh, kind of anywhere, like he's, he's been all over, um, so you really can't go wrong with Doug Williams. Nice recognition for him, um, you know, I, I appreciate that as far as it goes. Indeed, Doug Williams, uh, seemingly, you know, not just a good talent, but a fairly good guy. You know, everybody seems to love him. Nobody's got a really bad word to say about him. He's worked everywhere. Everybody seems to enjoy his stuff. So, you know, good on him making the WXW uh, Hall of Fame, apparently a former uh, 16 karat gold finalist for uh, for WXW or 16 karat gold uh, contender for a few of those tournaments. Uh, won the tag titles with Martin Stone um, uh, during some of uh, WXW's earlier years. So he's got, you know, he's not just there every once in a while. He's apparently got a fairly storied history in WXW, which is why. He made a, a perfect candidate for their Hall of Fame. Good on him. Good on WXW. This was uh, just, 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 just nice. Just nice to sort of finish off the year. You know, the 18th anniversary and Christmas all sort of rolled in one. Give Doug Williams some recognition. Good stuff. I enjoyed Absolutely this little bit. So. For sure. For sure. Um, with this, it is time for our uh, championship match, not the main event, as that was uh, held off for something um, more of a dream match, I guess you would call it, which we'll talk about a bit later. It is Absolute Andy versus Lucky Kid, as I explained. I would still very much like to see Andy versus Star and uh, Lucky versus Marius again. I want to see those rematches in the future, but I am really okay with this for now. It's a fresh match. It's an interesting match. I am down for it. Um, and I got to say, overall, I really love uh, the way this has worked in the presentation of it to the point where this is probably... My favorite match of the whole event, actually. Um, mm-hmm. I, I thought it was worked really well with Lucky Kid um, definitely being the underdog, but having a lot of time to shine, a lot of offense, a lot of moments where he took Absolute Andy by surprise. I thought he looked like a million bucks. I thought Absolute Andy looked very good, taking control whenever he could. They went a lot of shady tactics, uh, throwing Lucky out into a pile of chairs at one point, which is never not cool. Um a lot of fun stuff in this, uh, particularly they do the F5 to the crossface counter, which is always just absolutely awesome. Um, uh-huh. Before we... I will say this is... Yeah, uh, please. I just want to quickly say there was one spot in this match that actually kind of blew me away for how much I liked it, and that was a finisher spot 
that doesn't win the match, and a guy looks devastated because of it, and it actually like worked to the match's benefit <laughs> instead of being obnoxious or silly. Right. Um, at one point, um, after a couple of other cross faces, like again, finally has one, and it really looks like he's going to get the victory over Absolute Andy. He's in fact rolled him back across away from a different set of ropes. And he's got it locked in. He's, you know, he's really feeling it. it. Looks like this might finally be the moment that he's got it. David Starr's on commentary talking up how this might be. You know, he's going to get the victory here. And absolute Andy somehow, some way manages to get his foot on the ropes behind him instead of in front of him, forcing the breakup of the submission. And lucky kid who is, you know, wasn't even supposed to be in this match. This is the biggest opportunity probably of his entire WXW career to this point. I've been putting in all this effort, all this work, and, you know, once again, he just he wasn't able to put away um, Absolute Andy, and he just looked like, you know, that might have been his absolute actual last gasp opportunity to win this match, and it didn't pay off, and he just has this look of just, like, forlorn depression on his face as he takes off, I think, like an elbow pad or some wrist tape, and he's just like, what do I got to do? What do I actually have to do? And something about it, you know, it fit Lucky Kid's character. You know, he's a bit of a wild card. He's a bit all over the place, a bit of a just a wacky dude in general. But, you know, he has these emotional moments that allow him to sort of reach those depths. So when he comes across looking, you know, sad or frustrated, it's not like generated or like artificial, somebody trying to make a moment epic or, you know, something like that. It just it feels like for Lucky Kid that makes sense. You know, he's not supposed to even be in this match. He's not supposed to be taken on absolute Andy, but he is, he's doing his best to make it work. And, you know, he's had, he's been so close. And then just one more time, it just didn't pan out for him with that submission hold. And he just looks, you know, defeated, you know, in spirit at that moment. Um, he doesn't eventually, you know, perk up and, you know, get back into the match, but just for that one moment, like the one time I've ever seen that spot from somebody and been like, you know what? Yeah, I get it. That works. That's good. Mm-hmm. Um, props off to a lucky kid for that. And props off to WXW for once again, you know, just having their, you know, fingers on the pulse of how to like book these sorts of moments, sort of have these things play out and work wonderfully when in other situations they uh, probably wouldn't. So I was about this, uh, that moment in and of itself was really good. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I, I know just the moment you're talking about, and uh, I agree, it actually worked. Um, again, I always talk about this. It works if you do the legwork, you know, if it makes sense in context. Lucky Kid, this is his first shot at a, uh, a big title like this. He hits a move that almost always finishes off the people he's wrestled before, and now it doesn't because he's, he's trying to push to a higher level. Plus, this match was like 20, 25 minutes long. You know, you're not doing this in the first, like, five minutes or anything, um, and you're wrestling a guy that, you know, could realistically have been beaten by that move, you know, you're not wrestling The Undertaker and you hit him with, like, one finish and then you, you look like you're going to cry because he kicked out, you know, of course, um, so yeah, I don't know, like, all the pieces came together and uh, there's a reason a trope like that exists, is because when it's done right, it's very effective and uh, definitely done right in this case. Um, so all great up to this point. Um, I admit though, I think I would have liked the match more if it had a different finish. Uh, we run up to the end. Marius Alani tries to interfere, not because he likes Absolute Andy, but because he 
dislikes Lucky Kid. He knows he's uh, hot after his shotgun championship. Um, tries to interfere. Instead, Absolute Andy whaps him with the title. Lucky Kid gets a hold of the belt behind the ref's back and whacks Andy with it. Uh, as always, if the heel tries to cheat first, then uh, kind of all bets are off. Uh, Lucky Kid actually gets the pin, and uh, there's a huge pop, and everyone looks thrilled, but Absolute Andy had his uh, foot under the rope, so after kind of a long celebration, um, the match is uh, kind of abruptly restarted. Absolute Andy uh, kind of ambushes Lucky Kid and does get the win, um, and uh, I definitely see what they're going for here, but it did feel like it kind of sucked the air out of the room a little bit, and... Uh, I don't know. I'm not a huge fan of the match restart thing anyway, because if you do it once, you kind of should be doing it all the time. And, you know, WXW does way too many shady finishes to really have this precedent. So uh, I didn't love the finish. Everything up to that point I thought was fantastic, though. I don't really have a problem with the idea behind the finish. My issue is really more an execution here because uh, for a little bit more context, there was an MMA or UFC fighter, I think Nick Hine, Nick oh, Hine, yeah, Nick Klein, sure. something like that. I was trying that. to remember who that um, was. Yeah, you're right. He was around. <coughs> apparently, a slightly controversial figure in and of himself. I don't know quite yeah. what the deal with that was, but I saw some people uh, complaining uh, that he was on the uh, on the show in general. Um, apparently he's he's outside as some sort of enforcer or something, a guest of uh, WXW's. Um, when Lucky Kid eventually gets that pinfall on a uh, on Absolute Andy, um, he's apparently the guy who helped reverse that decision, despite the fact that he was also in there giving Lucky the title and celebrating with him. And it wasn't until afterwards that he apparently talked to. Uh, the referee and uh, Tommy, the announcer, and was like, yeah, I think his foot was underneath the bottom rope and forced the restart. Um, Something about that was just like, it was just weird. didn't come across super well. Um, Just just something about it in general seemed, you know, not great in in terms of like actual timing and pacing out because Lucky Kid had a very long celebration of like winning the title and being really happy and holding it up and everybody was in the ring and celebrating with him. And then after all that, it's like, oh, yeah, and by the way, I know I handed this guy the title and raised his hand and did all that, but I think, you know, we need to restart the match. And I was like, oh, okay, I guess we'll do that. It it didn't quite sit right with me. I don't know if somebody's timing was off or something, but it felt very weird had it sort of been, you know, kind of the standard, you know, guy's foot is on the rope, guy referee counts three and is like, no, 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 wait, his foot was on the rope, I didn't mean it. And absolutely, Andy finds a way to take advantage of that and hit the sit-out dominator and win. I think... You know, I think that happens a lot quicker. I think it happens a lot more fluidly and comes across a lot better than uh, Lucky Kid wins, celebrates with the title. Everybody seems to be, you know, about this. And then kind of arbitrarily it comes across right. afterwards. Be like, oh, wait, yeah, his, his foot was underneath the rope. We need to restart this match. Um, yeah, that's that was really my big issue with it was the timing or the pacing of the actual restart really just sucked the air and the excitement out of the room pretty uh pretty swiftly it was not the most uh uh well thought out or well executed version of that finish so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah just 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 not uh spectacularly done 
Just not spectacular. For sure. sure. Yeah. Like, like you, I don't necessarily mind if a match is restarted in general, if it's like caught right away and the ref just restarts it immediately. There's, there's sort of a a different feeling to that. But yeah, once you go through all the rigmarole of the, the, the title changed and you kind of put the emphasis on it and it's gone on for a bit and then you suddenly go back and like, Oh wait, let's do that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Um, so, uh, after this match, uh, Absolute Andy has won the title or retained the title. Um, Nick Hine, like, has the belt and he tries to give it to Andy, but he won't give it to Andy. So, Andy, like, low blows him or something. Or, you know, like, no, he tries to fend off, uh, you know, tries to get the belt from him. And Hine, like, spine busters him for his troubles and yells at him about it. When suddenly, um, Ilya Dragunov appears on one of the video screens Basically, you know, congratulates Andy for once again slipping out with the title, you know, escaping with the belt. Um, but he's not going to be able to escape this time. No, they're going to he's talked to the championship board of directors. They've agreed it's going to be one final match between Ilya Dragunov and Absolute Andy for the WXW Unified World Wrestling Championship. He's going to be at Back to the Roots, and it is going to be... In the Kagishlaft cage match, one-on-one, Andy and Ilya, the WXW Unified World Wrestling Championship at Back to the Roots cage match time for these two. And he's not going to be able to escape, and he's not going to be able to slip away, at least in uh, Ilya's mind. He's going to be forced to be in that cage and have to deal with all the consequences um, that that have built up to this moment. So... Yeah, that's going to be a fun one. I have to imagine that's uh, one of the main events of that show, if not the main event of that show. And who boy, that's a big one. Yep, yep, it is indeed, and I'm very excited for it. The uh, Andy versus Ilya matches have been quite great so far, including at least one match of the year contender in my book in the uh, mm-hmm. the match where Ilya got himself disqualified and tried to murder Absolute Andy, um, definitely one of my favorites of the year. So yeah, I think uh, it's going to be a great one. Can't wait to see it. And uh, surely, Lucky Kid now has to be in the conversation as well for a future title shot, considering how close he came here, all but actually winning the title and having it handed to him. So uh, so yeah, nice elevation for him. Um, it's going to be great stuff. I, I'm very excited Indeed. about WX70 in 2019. I think we'll probably be watching uh, more of it than ever. So should be very good. Indeed. Now, I do have a second announcement uh, for uh, Back to the Roots, actually. I don't know if you saw this, but uh, it's been announced. Um, first off, it was originally announced that there would indeed be a second. Uh, actually, I think this was technically the first Kyrgyzloft match booked for Back to the Roots was actually originally Rise versus Rise. Lucky Kid, um, Ivan Kiev, and Pete Bouncer taking on Damak, Tarkan Aslan, and Marius Alani in the cage. But shortly after this show, um, apparently there was a confrontation backstage between um, all six Rise members, I guess. They're all – nobody knows – they're technically two different groups, but they're all called Rise, and right. it's sort of grouped as one. It's very weird. But um, all six uh, Rise people all confront one another backstage after Back to the Root, where uh, you have Tarkin and Damak as you know tag champions, and Marius Alani is shotgun champion. Uh, they're sort of backstage, I think, you know, talking to one another, sort of celebrating their victories when 
uh, Lucky Kid, Pete Bouncer, and Ivan Kiev sort of run up on them, and everybody starts yelling about, um, you know, the titles and 18th anniversary and everything. Um, Lucky essentially accuses Marius of backing out of their fight intentionally. He's not hurt. He just didn't want to lose the title to Lucky Kid at uh, 18th anniversary. Um, mm. This very much offends all the guys of Rise, especially Marius, who says, I could beat you any day of the week. Um, and you know what? This title is on the line uh, in the cage match. You know, this shotgun title that you want, that's going to be on the line in the cage match. And so are the tag titles. The tag titles will be on the line in the cage, which Damak and Tarkin Aslan are very uh, confused and not in agreement with on. Um, Pete Bouncer says, this is a great idea, but also, you know, this is the first good idea you've ever had, Marius, but also, this cage match is not just going to be for the titles, it is going to determine who gets to actually be Rise. By the end of this match, only one team will be able to call themselves Rise. So at the end, everybody is, you know, doing the finger pose, trying to, you know, show off to one another that, you know, who is Rise, who isn't Rise, who doesn't belong here. So you have not just Absolute Andy versus Ilya Dragunov, Unified World Wrestling Championship on the line. You've also got Marius Alani, Damak, and Tarkan Aslan taking on Lucky Kid, Peach Bouncer, and Ivan Kiev, three-on-three, Kageshloft. Um, all the titles are on the line. All of uh, the Marius Alani Shotgun Championship and Damak and Tarkan Aslan's tag team titles will be on the line in this match, as well as the future of Rise in and of itself. Winning team gets to be Rise. Losing team no longer gets to be Rise. So this is a match with not just one stakes, but like literally all the potential stakes you could have in this match. Um, that is booked for back to the roots, two cage matches this year, one singles match, one trios match. Who boy, that's going to be a big one. Um, both matches already early contenders for potential match of the year contender candidates. Um, cannot wait for Back to the Roots that is shaping up to be one hell of a show. You aren't kidding. That is going to be great indeed. Where did you see that video? I would have loved to see something like that. Um, actually, I do believe it was uh, WXW's uh, Twitter feed. Yeah. Actually, uh, retweeted a, or tweeted or retweeted a uh, video. I think they posted it on their like YouTube channel of that happening. Yeah, so. Keep an eye on that. I'm a shotgun. I hope they replace it with something. Um, something. Please. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see what all happens with that. Um, in the meantime, yes, Back to the Roots is going to be a great show. But we're not even yet done with the 18th anniversary. So uh, a few more matches, matches to talk to about. Following this up, we have Bobby Guns, King of Smoke Style, taking on special guest Shigehiro Iru. I don't I've like a, 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 a verbal block Irie. on that. Irie? Yeah, okay. Shigeru Irie, um, who is uh, a guy from DDT primarily. Um, I've definitely noticed him working a few other places recently, uh, kind of branching out somewhat. And um, yeah, my first time actually seeing him, I believe. A uh, very solid looking guy, kind of one of these like shorter, thicker guys, maybe a bit of an Ishii type. Um, but yeah, here taking on Bobby Guns, um, <clears throat> and, uh, I love Bobby Guns, and overall, I feel like I did like Irie, but 
I wasn't completely sold on this match. I thought there's definitely more good than bad. Uh, Irie, very stiff worker, very uh, impressive in some of the things he could do. He had a really nice tope at one point. Um, the, the final kind of lariat he hits Bobby Guns with uh, is really quite incredible, although maybe even, uh, I don't know, there, there's maybe such thing as too stiff, because I definitely saw Bobby Guns kind of bleeding out of his mouth afterwards, so... You know, I don't know. So uh, that that wasn't completely great to me necessarily. Um, and there was also a sequence, and it was even kind of called out on commentary, where they're doing backdrop drivers to each other and no selling them. And I'm like, eh, you know, I don't know. Like, I've never been a big, like, strong style, fighting spirit, no sell everything kind of guy. And uh, it just felt like too much. Um and last but not least, it sounds like I'm complaining a lot. There was a lot of good stuff, but I do have one last complaint. Uh, Bobby Guns does take the loss here, and I really feel that absolutely should not have happened. Bobby Guns should be being presented as one of the top guys of WXW who should really only lose to somebody who is, like, out of this world, uh, big and important. Like, if uh, Pentagon came in or, I don't know, somebody, like, really big... Um, came in, then maybe, maybe Bobby Guns could take a loss to him, but Shigeru Uriye, uh, I don't know, that's, uh, I don't know, uh, that wasn't the decision that sat super well with me, so, very good, Guns is great, Uriye has some good stuff, some stuff that bothers me, I don't know, it was still good, but definitely kind of one of the lesser matches of the card for me. I, I feel like I both enjoyed this match a little bit more than you, I didn't quite have a problem with the, uh, backdrop drivers, just because, like, I don't know. The fans were super into it. It, it. it seemed to fit at least both guys, you know, like working uh, really hard. Um, didn't quite love Bobby Guns taking the loss here, but at least, you know, Irie, um, especially with that last layer, it, like essentially earned that victory with that hard shot. So that, you know, sat better with me. But I, ha- I think I have to agree with you. You know, despite this match being pretty good, I wasn't quite as in love with this match as I wanted to be. I don't know if. Um, I don't know. I just it didn't quite feel quite as as maybe as great as it could have been. Maybe Irie is you know somebody I need to watch more of. Uh, maybe this just wasn't Bobby Guns's match. He looked good in this match, but you know you know coming up the on the losing end, um, I don't know. It just didn't didn't quite feel um, as as good as it could have ultimately been. Uh, I do know they have apparently another match a little bit later down the line as well. Uh, we might have to see about watching that at some point. Um, but yeah, Bobby Guns, I definitely agree with your sentiment that Bobby Guns should be a guy that they really present as being, you know, in WXW's upper echelon, especially after his last, you know, two years of kind of, you know, carrying WXW a little bit with his shotgun title reign. Mm-hmm. Um, his work is both a heel and a, a face, you know, his contendership for the world championship. Um, he feels like he should be treated as an absolute, like, top-tier deal in uh, WXW. And, you know, unfortunately, this match, you know, immediately coming off to the heels of a very hot title match um, against a, you know, foreign newcomer to the company who comes in and beats him. Um, I don't know. It just didn't quite feel like the right situation for uh, Bobby Guns, unfortunately. So not right. not not great. Not terrible. I enjoyed the match. I think I enjoyed it a little bit more than you did. But uh, not ideal certainly uh, yeah fair enough fair enough i don't know i think part of it too is uh you see the the backyard drivers didn't 
bother you that much. Um, I guess I get that, but like Bobby Guns is not that kind of wrestler to me. Like he's not really a strong style guy at all. He's a technician. He's a strategist. You know, he does all these things. He's not really the type to just eat uh, a powerful move and then just kind of get up and keep going. So uh, I don't know. You know, I always dislike when um, a wrestler sort of abandons their style just to sort of fit a trope in a match. And uh, I'm not mm-hmm. saying Bobby Guns necessarily did that, but I'm saying it kind of seemed like that was happening. So, you know, like, right. be who you are. Um, there's always going to be guys who want to do certain spots, but I don't know. I, I just like it. Maybe that was the problem because it kind of felt like both guys were just in there just kind of doing their normal thing. And that those things weren't really quite the same things, but then they just sort of did them and, you know, like what we got was what we got. So two really good wrestlers, maybe not necessarily gelling the way that some others do. I don't know. That That's just off the top of my head, but it might be a factor. True. That that That's definitely something to consider as well. Maybe they just didn't quite gel or, or you know, their styles didn't quite mesh and said clashed instead of, you know, Working together super well. So, yeah, I could definitely see that. can definitely see that. Very possible. Um, up next, we do have the WXW Women's Championship match, which is between Tony Storm and a wrestler named Kellyanne from Australia, who I have not met before, but uh, thought did pretty well. She is Australian, um, and she hangs out with a dude called Alan Payne, who is pretty clearly, I think, doing a Natural Born Killers thing, um, which is fine. It's a great movie. Um Definitely would be interested to see more of Kellyanne and Alan Payne. I think they, they had a lot to offer. Tony Storm uh, is a person that I, I've spoken relatively, you know, I've liked fine in the past. I know you're not the biggest fan. And I don't know if you're rubbing off on me or I'm just seeing your points or anything, but I don't know. Like, I'm kind of feeling over her to a certain extent. Um, uh, before the match, there's a, a promo video, and I thought it was very weird because Tony Storm... Uh, I was talking about, like, the Mae Young Classic and all these other things, and basically it seemed like she was saying, oh, I'm very glad that WXW helped me succeed in places besides WXW. And I'm like, mm, well, okay, sure, like, everyone wants to go to WWE for the most part, and I don't begrudge anyone that, but I'm a WXW fan watching a WXW show, so maybe I don't necessarily want to hear you talking about, like, how much you love working in places besides WXW. And it's not like that's all she said, but it just kind of gave me a weird vibe, so... I don't know, there was that. The match itself I thought was decent, but not, like, great. I honestly thought Kellyanne um, was the more interesting of the two in this match. I still don't mm-hmm. think Tony Storm is bad, uh, and I definitely sympathize because I know she had some problems online, I think was hacked or something. I, I didn't really look oh, into yes, it. That's, but, uh, uh... Big sympathy for that. Um, you know, that, that shouldn't happen to anybody. Um, definitely support her as far as that goes. But, yeah, I don't know. The wrestling, I just wasn't feeling it as much. Um so, yeah, are you the same, or are now we switching places on Tony Storm? No, we're, we're definitely still um, okay. <laughs> on the same wavelength here, I think. Um, I think one of the things I discovered in this match, or maybe, like, actually dawned on me in this mm-hmm. match, Tony Storm just makes some of the worst facial expressions <laughs> I've ever seen a wrestler make. Like, she's got this weird thing where she looks like it feels like she's supposed to be showing off like pain or frustration or, you know, intensity. And she just looks disgusted. looks like she like literally stepped in like dog poop and just has this just look of just utter, just nastiness on her face. Sometimes whether it's, you know, she's trying to recover from, she just took a big move 
or uh, she's trying to show off like she's, you know, she just took a big move. Now she's trying to look tough and she endured it. Um, she just she does not have good facial expressions. I'm sorry. She just she doesn't. Um, her wrestling has always been OK to me. It's never been quite like, you know, great. Um, so she she's all right in that regard. She is very charismatic. Um, that's like the one thing I've always sort of like known and been outwardly uh, supportive of in terms of what Tony Storm does well. Very charismatic, very, you know, gets the fans behind her, just very electric as a wrestler, but just just not somebody I super enjoy watching. She's not bad. She's certainly like, she's not a terrible wrestler, but she's just not my cup of tea, as it were. And she does not make, uh, as I, especially in this match, I noticed, just does not make the world's greatest uh, facial expressions and doing a lot of good selling or emoting, you know, through facial expressions. Not not great, and I think the other thing about her is just when she's in there with a lot of other talents, she just does not really compare personality-wise. I don't know what it is, but it, you know, I've seen her fight Ginny, and I've seen her fight Melanie Gray, and I've seen her fight you know Lufisto live, and I've seen you know Kellyanne, uh, another one, you know, when she's in there with Killer Kelly or Chris Wolf or Alpha Female. Everybody just comes across. Um, like they have more going on than Tony Storm does. Tony Storm comes off a little bit generic. Like she's just, I'm a wrestler. I, I, I do the wrestler things, and you know that that's cool and all. But uh, and she's very charismatic and good in that role. But just, I don't know. Kellyanne was just another example of other wrestlers seemingly having like I don't know if it's more personality. I don't know if it's more personality shining through. I don't know if it's just more. Um, well-rounded about them that isn't just, you know, generic. But, um, yeah, this was, like I said, just another example, at least for me, of somebody coming in and, you know, bringing more interest to the match than Tony Storm herself. So, yeah, it's just, you know, overall this match was, you know, I had a fun time with it. I enjoyed myself with this match. Um, definitely didn't think Tony Storm sucked or anything, but Kellyanne, I think, was definitely the uh, the person I had more interest in in this match. Unfortunately, Tony Storm picks up the victory, retains the championship um, in what I thought was a fun match, but, uh, yeah, just not a big Tony Storm fan. But uh, in regardless of that, I do want to mention this. Y'all have got to stop, like, hacking um, celebrities and putting their nudes unsolicited online for everyone to see because it's it's gross it's abusive it's mm-hmm. harassment it's awful it's just it's it's gross it's disgusting and you know tony storm does not deserve that nobody deserves that least of all tony storm um you know forcing her to literally you know abandon social media to avoid like sort of the, the backlash and fallout from this stuff something she didn't even like do or deserve in any way just fucking stop that shit cut that shit out just, just just enough it's you know it's awful when it happens to big celebrities it's often happens it's awful when it happens to small celebrities it's awful when it happens to literally anyone stop cut it out shit is gross just leave it alone stop fucking doing that just garbage stuff just stop so uh hopefully uh tony storm uh is you know probably not doing all right but hopefully she can uh you know, do all right. Hopefully she's got some good uh, friends in place helping her out. I don't know. Just something's just nasty and awful and stop fucking doing it. I'm tired of this. 
It's not the only person it's happened to, and it's just fucking atrocious every time. So stop that, please. Mm. Yep, very gross. Not cool. Don't do it. Strongly agree. Um, Tony Storm does get the win here. Um, like I said, I did uh, definitely have, feel some interest in watching more of Kelly Ann, so we'll keep an eye out for her. Um, and yeah, that brings us to our main event, our big dream match uh, of sorts. Um, I guess not insofar as it's definitely happened before, once or twice, but still a match that uh, nobody really expected to see in 2018. It is the uh, the full original um Roster of Ring Comp, Walter, Timothy Thatcher, and the uh, returning One Night Only asterisk uh, ask Axel Dieter Jr. Uh, and on the other side, you have British Strong Style, Tyler Bate, Pete Dunne, and Trent Seven, who I believe soon will not really be available for indie dates, but uh, maybe still will be uh, for certain promotions because of the weird NXT UK contract situation. I don't know. I don't want to dive back into that. Um, but yeah, you've got six... Really talented people in here. You got three kind of the most notable uh, trios of the past several years. Um, and that's all very cool. Um, I did really like this match. I thought a lot of good things about it. A few things maybe that I do still have to complain about, though. Um, mm-hmm. uh, first to say, it's very nice to see Axel Dieter Jr. in WXW, uh, both because he is great and because, like, this guy was signed, what, in, like, mid-2017, something like that? And, man, I haven't heard hardly a word of anything he's done since then. So, man, if WWE doesn't really have any interest in him, they just want him just for the sake of having him, then, yeah, sure, let him wrestle in WXW. Why not, you know? Um, I guess that's a benefit of them having kind of a, a bit of a partnership. Um, and speaking of WWE, I did... I, I couldn't really um, ignore the fact that at least five of these people are definitely signed to the WWE in some form now, um, with Thatcher, I think, being the only exception, although who bloody well even knows anymore. Um, True. So, yeah, that, that was a bit strange. You know, I don't know. I've, I've criticized progress a little bit in the past for feeling like they're just sort of an underling to the WWE now. Um, and I haven't watched Evolve in forever for exactly that reason, because it's an even stronger feeling there, at least to me. So in the interest of fairness, I, I will mention it here that I, I thought that was a little odd. Didn't exactly endear me to the match. Maybe just because there's so much great WXW talent that could easily main event a WXW show. Um, for instance, uh, uh-huh. Absolute Andy and Lucky Kid. Sure, had a, uh, yeah. Barn Runner match earlier. Indeed, indeed. Um, still thought this was a great match. All three ring conf members together again was absolutely wonderful. Um, and I thought looked maybe quite a bit better than British Strong Style here. Um, British Strong Style, a very fine group in and of themselves. Probably not as big a fan personally as some people are. I know some people think these are like three of the best guys in the world. Um, I don't know if I necessarily go that far. I was like Trent yeah, Seven I... in particular sort of feels out of place because he's like sort of goofy and he's not really necessarily doing the same things as other people. And sometimes he's like very endearing, but I don't know, like ring comp has like these, uh, these bigger guys, these stronger guys. Like I feel like there's better uh, technical stuff. There's stronger strikes. There's all this stuff. I feel like, I don't know, just to me, I always get the feeling that they should kind of rip through these British strong style guys, but that's probably my uh, WXW bias talking to a certain extent. Um, they had a lot of good stuff in here, though. I love Walter chopping Pete Dunne. 
um, out of his boots practically when he tried to do the ring comp pose and uh, a lot of other good moments in here I thought uh, were quite good. Mm-hmm. Uh, just, I feel like just in general, it's hard for me at least currently to really watch and appreciate British strong style matches just because like the, the WWE just kind of reeks off of them. I don't know. I don't know how to quite describe that, sure, but like sure. in an indie setting, um, I don't. I, I. I don't know. I don't quite know. I definitely got that. Uh, that same sort of sense that you did. You know, it's very weird that there's like five contracted, um, <laughs> WWE guys in the ring in it this is a match. Strange feeling because all of these guys work incredibly hard. Like I had no sense that anyone was like phoning it in in this match or anything. No, not at you know, all. these not guys at all. are working their butts off, but you, you always get a feeling like. This isn't this isn't your main job, is it? This is like sort of something you're doing on the side, and it's hard to feel that same investment, I guess. So uh, I don't know. It's some aspect of that for sure. Definitely. Um, I I like British strong style. I do not love British strong style. I may have at one point. I don't know, but I I, I dig them. They're 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 solid workers. Um, you know, they're a lot of fun in the ring, but it's ring comp. Right. It's ring comp. Yeah. You know, it it it's Rinkoff with Axel Dieter Jr. back in. Like there's there's no reason why Timothy Thatcher shouldn't just eat Tyler Bate and Trent Seven for lunch right. while Walter like chops and caves in Pete Dunne's chest. Um, like I, I I don't know. I like I like the ring cop, uh, the uh, the BSS guys. You know, they're they're fun. I I actually like. Trent Seven, just because, like you, he's 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 kind of got an endearing an endearing quality sure. to him. He's a lot of fun. He feels like he should be doing something else usually when it comes to uh, <laughs> British strong style coming out. Like you know, Pete Dunne is you know very um, he comes across as very I don't want to say necessarily intimidating, but he's got a very schoolyard bully feel sure. to him. And uh, Tyler Bate, you know, being you know small but like hugely jacked, hugely strong, and he's kind of got this uh. He could put on a very serious vibe uh, to him. You know, he, he kind of makes sense in there. But Trent Seven, I'm sorry. I mean, the guy's got really good lariats. He chops really sure. well. He's yeah. got, you know, some backhand work in there. Sure. But he's just kind of a big, fat, goofy guy. <laughs> like, like, at his core, that's just that kind of seeps through. And that's right. it, it makes him a lot of fun. I enjoy him. I like Trent Seven a lot. Um, I just don't know if he's like... I don't really know if any of the uh, the three British strong style guys really go together as one sort of cohesive unit. Mm. They feel, they feel really more like three different dudes who happen to be uh, in the same place at the same time, you know. Right. Um, so you know, just comparatively, they're not Ringkopf, all three of whom really complement one another and feel like they're part of the same group. Um, and they just they don't really compare and then they you know they're getting in there and it's just kind of like a standard match which i get because you know british strong style has that standing in the world of pro wrestling and mm. definitely deserve that but i don't know ring counts should really just show up and eat their lunch and just that you know. that's exactly what i was feeling because yeah the british strong style guys you know they're all really talented um but they come in here and they're kind of like they're all a little bit goofy in their way and they're doing like all this kind of other stuff and then ring calf man these guys are like dead serious they're here to win they're here to like like you said eat you for lunch but because of kind of like the hierarchy of wrestling everybody has to be like sort of even keel 50 50 so there's definitely a bit of dissonance between ring camp 
I think, like, really bringing it. Like, they were ready to kind of go to war and just take people apart. And British Strong Style sort of being there to, I don't know, goof off a little bit more and sort of uh, have a bit of a different kind of match. Uh, and maybe that was just my expectations or something going uh, going awry. But uh, it's just my, my personal feeling as a fan. Mm-hmm. So uh, I definitely feel you there. At least in this match, I think British Strong Style would have worked better if it wasn't like, you know, everybody's on the same even keel and everybody hits as hard and everybody um, <laughs> wrestles as hard and does all the stuff. It's like, that's right. fine. That's that's cool if you want to think that. But that's Rinkoff over there. Right. That's that, that's Walter and Timothy Thatcher and Axel Dieter Jr. who would absolutely just, you know, whether it's they hit you really hard or they manipulate your digits or they, you know, find technical ways to get around you. Like, these are three of, like, not just the best, but three of the most intense wrestlers in the world. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't care who you are. You're not going to get up there and, like, stand with them unless you're, like, Ilya Dragunov, like, just losing his mind in a, uh, like, a 16-karat gold final match. You know, that's just, that's not going to happen. Right. You're not going to match them. And it just felt like that was kind of the story they were telling was just, you know, like, yeah, Rinkoff is really good, but so are British Strong Style. But instead of... I don't know, instead of British Strong Style being good at something else, maybe finding ways to, like, take shortcut, underhanded tactics right. to advantage over them. just thinking uh, back, because they had a match in progress in 2017, I think, that I liked notably more than this one, and I think that's exactly what the difference was, because uh, British Strong Style was definitely uh, more on a heel run at that time, and they were kind of uh, mm-hmm. making up for, um, you know, the, the physical differences between them and ring comp by being just like uh, vicious and mean and underhanded and you know all this stuff and I, I think that really made a big difference between this match which was pretty great and that match which I thought was honestly fantastic that was a that was a great great match this was like a good great match if that makes yeah this any was sense. a this was a, this was I I don't want to complain too heavily about this match because right, it was very right. good um <laughs> like you know this is these are real genuinely like. As trios, I think three of the top, uh, or two of the top uh, trios in the world of pro wrestling. Absolutely. All six guys are just world-class talents. Um, they did a lot of fun stuff in this match. There was a pretty awesome, like, sequence where, uh, you know, Timothy Thatcher took a whole bunch of moves just in sequence from the uh, British Strong Style guys that looked but great, even that, I thought. as cool as it was, uh, he took, like, three consecutive pile drivers and then he just kicks out cleanly, and even commentary is like, oh, he's a s- Superman. And I'm like, meh, okay, all right, you know. <laughs> so, so, yeah, I don't know. It got a little indie-rific at times, uh, it, it a did lot get of the indie- offense was spectacular. It did, it did get uh, indie-rific at points, um, but I, I, I thought it was, in general, it was an overall good time. Absolutely. It wasn't a, like, breathtaking, mind-blowing uh, good time the way that sometimes – WXW matches can be uh, the way ring conf matches can sometimes be it wasn't quite to that level, but this was, this was good. I mean, it, it's, it's Tyler Bate, Trent seven and Pete Dunn who are all really good. It's all the members of ring conf, you know, back together one last time, uh, potentially all working, you know, the 18th anniversary show, the biggest show in a WXW history with like the largest crowd they've ever had at like 1100 people, you know, being here, um, mm, you know, yeah. the atmosphere was great. Um, there was that one point where, uh, Axel Dieter Jr. gets in the ring and just sort of like cleans house and just starts hitting a whole bunch of moves on all the like running in, uh, British strong style guys. I was just, it was just great to see him back in the ring. Um, 
yeah, it was a lot of fun. My only, like, as far as the actual match goes, I think my only issue was that there were, like, four ending stretches to this match. <laughs> where, like, you know, yes. Walter and uh, Timothy Thatcher do the, like, power bomb into the European uppercut. And that doesn't get the win. And then um, there's the, you know, Walter does the power bomb and Axel Dieter comes off the rope with the, like, flying European uppercut. And that doesn't get the win. And then there's, like, a submission spot, and that doesn't get the win. And then, like, British Strong Style hits a bunch of moves, and that doesn't get the win. And then yeah. finally, like, they have to go into an extended uh, Fujiwara armbar sequence that ends with the uh, Timothy Thatcher, like, rollover seatbelt pin that does get the win. But instead mm-hmm. of it being like, all right, sweet, he got the victory here. That was good. It was like, oh, my God, finally. <laughs> like, I, I love you guys. This match was fun, but Jesus, there's just a lot of just, like, near falls towards the end where you genuinely felt like, all right, that's going to be it. This match has been good. Oh, it's not. Oh, here comes another finish. And no, that's not it either. Uh, when are we going home guys? This match has been going off like 10 minutes longer than it needed to. Perhaps um, so. Yeah. I think it was close to half an hour. Um, I will say just the, all of that. I definitely noticed it. It didn't bother me so much. What bothered me a little bit more though, is, uh, I mentioned earlier how alpha female tapped out to, uh, you in about, a second, you know, just really tapped out instantly as soon as the hold was on. Um, and how that was a bit too quick. Polar opposite in this match. Uh, so many submissions being held for minutes at a time just so that, like, like more stuff could happen. Like, you know, it was Walter definitely at least put Trent Seven in an STF and they'd sit there for a while. And then and then Dieter would come in and put a submission on Pete Dunn. And the first submission's still going on, but now, oh, now we got two, and now let's let's hold that for a while, and then, oh, we'll put a submission on the third guy, and the first one is still going on, and I'm like, how, like, have you not tapped out? Like, it's a very powerful submission, uh, but, you know, it's kind of got to be held, not for any reason that necessarily makes sense in the match, just because, oh, well, we really wanted to do this spot where all three guys were in submission at the same time, so... And there was at yeah. least... At least um, two sections of this match yes. where like a whole <laughs> bunch of guys were in submissions specifically so that Tyler Bate could show off his incredible strength <laughs> and do something, which is fine. Which is but incredible. they did it twice yeah. in this match. Uh-huh. Yeah, I thought twice. It was I much. noticed that too. Yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, I don't know. They kind of maybe just wanted to get all their shit in. Um, I was about and, to say, and as you said, the I crowd would... loved it. So you can't criticize it uh, too much because if it works, it works. Uh, and who are we to yep. say that's wrong? But just just on a personal level, you know, I yes. think it would have been better for me if it had been a little different. I, I will say it definitely felt like they were. I. I, I would rather a match be trying a bit too hard to get a lot of stuff in because at least that's like, you know, we really want to send these fans home happy. Right. We really want to do a lot of stuff. Um, you know, Axel Dieter is back here. We got British Strong Style. Let's try to cram as much into this match to get, you know, kind of as much value as we can from this. Then, you know, they, as, as we said, they were working hard and they certainly didn't phone it in. I would, I would, I'm much happier with them yeah, yeah. really trying to get a whole bunch of stuff in here than, like, phoning it in and not really, you know, giving a damn. That's certainly not a complaint you can have with this match. Everybody tried hard. It was a lot of fun. It was just maybe a bit indie-rific and a bit much overall. But I'll I'll take that, honestly. I'll Mm -hmm. take that. Mm -hmm. Yep, no, absolutely. Um, I think uh, the right ending happens because uh, it is Ring Comp getting the victory. 
Give me Thatcher Pins. Trent Seven would have personally maybe preferred Axel Dieter getting that uh, that win, but I'm nitpicking at that point. Uh, after yeah. the match, everyone kind of gets lovey-dovey. They play around with Pete Dunne's mouth guard, all this stuff. I don't know. I sort of skip past it, honestly, because uh, I'm really burnt out. I'm sorry on people wrestling each other. And after the match, they sort of like form best friendships. You know, I don't know. There's been too much of that kind of curtain call stuff for me. You know, you are competing I... with each other, uh, you know, so I don't know. True, uh, true. The one thing that I did actually enjoy about that sort of a finishing stretch thing yes. um, that they had uh, celebratory afterwards was, um, you know, once all is said and done, actually, Timothy Thatcher and Trent Seven exchange their, like, uh, towels or, mm. like, uh, 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 scarves. Yeah. It was actually a really cool moment. Um, I don't know yeah. if you pay attention to uh, sports a whole lot, but there's one thing in sports that a lot of, you know, basketball and football especially where um, – Two guys will swap jerseys like, you know, Dwayne Wade will take off his, you know, number three Miami Heat jersey and give it to another guy who proceeds to give his jersey to Dwayne Wade. And it's sort of just a cool, like, you know, respect thing Uh going on. It's like, oh, that's really neat. So the fact that, you know, Timothy Thatcher takes off his uh, ring comp scarf and uh, Trent Seven's got his uh, mustache mountain or British strong style like towel. And they actually exchange that and, you know, show it off like, hey, look. I've got this now, you know, we just did that. It was actually like a really cool, interesting touch that I've never seen uh, done like in a wrestling ring, two guys doing that sort of thing. So I appreciated that was cool, but the rest of it, I could have uh, taken or leave and didn't really need the rest of that stuff. So overall, a, a enjoyable experience here. And like we said, um, you know, there was a lot of things we ended up nitpicking and talking about, but overall, it just was a fun match. Absolutely. And once again, I appreciated the fact that they were trying really hard, even if they maybe tried, not necessarily tried too hard, but just put a lot of stuff in this match. I appreciate that more than them phoning it in because they absolutely did not do that. Yep, absolutely. You're right. You know, we did bring some criticisms to this show, but I agree. Overall, this is great. You know, I think there was a bad match on the show. At worst, you know, the worst you could do is a decent match, you know, and a lot of them were were quite honestly great. Um, Even some of the ones we nitpicked a little. So, um, perhaps the most exciting thing to some, uh, maybe to uh, WXW fans or actually junior fans, is uh, he does confirm. I can't remember if we mentioned this in an earlier episode or not, but uh, he did confirm he will be taking part in the 16 karat gold tournament this year. Oh uh, yes, that's right. Great. That's right. Yeah, and uh, I'll just say it again: if WWE actually is not interested in using him. Um, although I think he has shown up in NXT UK, whatever that is. So fine as far as that goes, but yeah, if he's not getting the work there that, uh, I think he should as really, uh, one of my favorite guys out there, then sure. Throw him into WXW. Give me more of those great matches. I'm, I'm all about it. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Indeed. All right. So yeah, that, that finishes up the 18th anniversary show. Uh, next week, as I think I mentioned, going to be uh, talking about end of year awards, um, kind of had a little time to digest everything and roll some of those out. And then, yeah, probably talk about Wrestle Kingdom the week after that. And then what 2019 will hold in store, the future only knows. We will get into all of it. Anything else it's, you want to say right now, my friend? Uh, just speaking on, uh, you know, what 2019 is going to hold for us as wrestling fans, uh, just want to make quick mention. Mm-hmm. Um, <coughs> we'll probably talk about a lot more of this stuff. When we cover Wrestle Kingdom, but uh, All Elite Wrestling, uh, that sort of thing, hinted by the end of uh, All In, 
uh, the company particularly run by Cody Rhodes and the uh, Young Bucks, you know, putting that together. Um, apparently already in the works, trying to make some things happen. I've heard some people have been already signed to them, including uh, the SoCal and Censored trio of Christopher Daniels, Frank Kazarian, and Scorpio Sky already working with them. Um, I don't know if anybody needs any uh, uh, Wrestle Kingdom spoilers uh, saved for them. I don't know if you in particular are concerned about that, because otherwise I won't mention this next thing. Uh, Yeah, uh, Kenny Omega apparently leaving New Japan. Nobody knows where he's going yet. Um, mm-hmm. Could be WWE. Could be All Elite Wrestling. Um, could be just back to New Japan. In all honesty, because uh, just be, we've just heard New things Japan. a little a bit work. like this Who before, knows? you know. So, so um, we'll see. Know. But yeah, there's a lot of interesting stuff already going down in 2019, and as we record this, we are only seven days into it. So <laughs> yeah, true enough. True uh, enough. Yeah, and I think Dante Omega, this will be eight days I believe, uh, at least rumored, all all of the elite leaving New Japan, um, <laughs> at least uh, from performing on a regular basis, and uh, Kushida as well, I believe confirmed, be leaving the company at the end of January. So, mm-hmm. lots of people, yeah, kind of being out there. And, uh, could could all go to WWE, in which case, you know, just speaking honestly, I won't be yeah, that interested. Could go some other places, in which case uh, I'll definitely be keeping a sharp eye out. So I, and also uh, uh, Takeshi, uh, Takashi Iizuka uh, retiring the, uh, <laughs> I the, can't uh, tell you the old last man, time. formerly of Chaos, now for, now of uh, <laughs> Suzuki Goon, I think. Yep, yeah, yeah, he's uh, correct. Um, like I said, I don't know. The, I can't remember the last time I watched an Iizuki match, but uh, he is certainly. A memorable guy, so uh, mm-hmm. so yeah, he will only have the memories after he retires. So indeed. All right, I think uh, that is indeed everything. So thanks again for listening as we wrap up 2018 here. Gonna have a lot more stuff coming next week. Um, hope you'll check out the other great programs on LFP Radio. Uh, check them all out; it's a great channel. Hope you will check us out on uh, all those nice social media places. Twitter in particular. I am at Spectral Gent. He is at Big Def Energy, B-I-G-D-E-F Energy. Um, give us a shout, give us a follow. Also check out lordsofpain.net and lopforums.com for a lot of great written material. Hope you'll come join the conversation there. That is everything. Until next week, we have been the global revolution. See ya.